Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to What's going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. It Brother. is a Tuesday. How you doing, man? You doing all right? I see all right. some coffee over there. Settling in. Doing good? All right. I all thought right. it was going to be rough like when I woke up this morning. Right. And I'm easing into get, it. We're going to get a nice schedule. We yeah. start just getting that clock and it's going to be like clockwork. I am on uh, Instagram. I follow Mark Wahlberg, right? Yeah. Marky Mark. I have found inspiration in Mark Wahlberg because he, every morning, he posts out a video at 4 a.m. God when he's you. doing a workout, yeah, he's in there and he looks good. He's like forty-seven, right? He's ripped and he's calling out Jimmy Butler. He's getting him and all these dudes, the NBA guys. He's yeah, out saying work out with me. I've been trying to do it. I've so he's got like early. a little breakfast club going on. Kinda, yeah, it's early now. Here's the problem I have, and I want to ask him this: How much sleep is he getting? Like, is he going to bed at nine, or is he going right back to bed at six a.m. and then right. waking up at noon? Like, right. that's my. I'm curious to know that because yeah. I got to come in and work after the workout. Yeah, and getting up early is okay. If you can get to bed at a reasonable hour and you get your, like, whatever your amount of sleep is. Right. But, like, the problem is with life, bro. You got taking your <laughs> girls to golf or they got exactly. stuff going on. I got football practice. I'm not getting to bed at 8 o'clock to get Right. Your... So that's why I'm, I'm curious to know that. So I'm right. maybe, maybe Mark Wahlberg. I like the breakfast club out. idea. Yeah, though. I do too. And the accountability. Like, he's calling people out. You right. all get up together. You kind of do it together. So we'll see if there are any results in that. Um, preseason football last year. Did you watch any last week? Did you watch Thursday night? The, the, uh, yeah, I watched a little game? bit. Yeah. I don't watch hardly any, uh, preseason season game i'll watch you know sporadically i'll see how lamar jackson doing so i'll tune into that right. i was curious to see how the hits go um you know but if i was a if i was a franchise and we're gonna get to some nfl stuff here in a minute we're also gonna do some uh, unc basketball stuff with the our football stuff with yeah the shoes they were selling and some w they were selling basketball shoes yeah, yeah so exactly I mean, that's where the confusion right. was going um but as i was watching the nfl preseason i kept having this thought in my mind if I had the Patriots, because we're going to talk about the Patriots and the Steelers and some of these teams with older quarterbacks, if I had a franchise quarterback who I knew was my guy, I would not let him touch the field in the preseason. Yeah. it's They're meaningless games. They don't mean anything. Half the guys out there aren't even going to make a roster. Right. They're going to be out there trying to make a name for themselves. They're going to try to go after you and hit your quarterback. If Even if it was Andrew Luck, who has been out for 575 days or whatever it is, yeah. I would not let him touch the field until week one of the regular season. We, we, I disagree with you on Andrew Luck a little bit, but I understand. And I support, I do understand completely and I support it because what's, like, what's it? There's nothing to gain There's from no it. There's no value. Like, and let's say Andrew Luck, cause I think everybody's like the, the, the pushback I've heard on this is, well, we gotta see if he can take a hit. Right. Well, congratulations if he takes that hit. <laughs> like, why can't you figure that out in week one? Or if he goes so, down, he goes down. And the worst case is he gets hurt and then you lose him again and then it sets back your franchise yet another year. I just don't see any risk in that. So, I don't know. That's, that, when I watch preseason, I watch, like, please don't anybody get hurt as most coaches do yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so NFL football, it's here. It's awesome. The Hall of Fame speeches were great. Um, but some were they, things, were they great though? <laughs> were they, I mean, were they great? I think there should be a time limit. I think it should be 15 minute windows and bam, bam, bam. And I, I watched Randy Moss. I saw Brian Dawkins and I saw Ray Lewis. I find inspiration in them. Rank those. I thought Dawkins was the best. Mm -hmm. I thought Ray Lewis was probably second and Moss third. And Moss third. Yeah. And but like Ray Ray Lewis, I could have done without 10 minutes on the back end. On the back end? Or like skip some of the middle. Like you just could have gotten there quicker. (laughs) Ray lost. It was over 30 minutes. Ray lost me. He was like, he had 36 minutes. 36 minutes. Um, 
the numbers to get started with the sevens and the fives <laughs> and then the seventeens like, and the forty sevens yeah. and man, man. That's when he kind of like, lost I was like, was like, I turned it off. It was like a Da Vinci Code. I'd watched everybody for the most part. And when he started with that, I got five right. minutes in, I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, he kind of lost me. It was a little bit off kilter there at the beginning, right. but anyway. I think ultimately he meant good. But right. Brian Dawkins revealing that he almost committed suicide and yeah, out his road, like that was deep stuff. And I love that. I think that can really, I think you can provide a lot of inspiration with a lot of people. So I think that's pretty cool. All right. So back to football. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got, um, all these NFL teams and we have, we've had an unprecedented run, in my opinion, of this quarterback kind of golden era. Yeah. And we're starting to see that close a little bit and we're seeing a new crop of quarterbacks come up, but we've seen guys, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, these elite quarterbacks are getting older and older. So I want to talk a little bit about how much of a window sure do the teams that these guys play on how much left is for these teams to contend for a super bowl so let's right. start with the patriots all right brady's birthday was the other day 41 years old uh belichick 66 they have dominated the nfl like we haven't seen right. I, like in in this sport how much longer do you think they can contend for a super bowl um and if if at all do you think they can do it this year yeah i think that and i've said this over and over again when you give me enough of a sample size I'm going to keep buying until you prove to me that it's that it's just falling off the map. And they have not proven that yet. They've, they've been a plug-and-play type of team around Tom Brady um, for a while now. So I don't get all concerned with the loss of Brandon Cooks and and this and that. They, they've shown Julian Edelman being missing for, what, four, four games. games. Like that That's not really concerning me because they've shown you over the last decade that they can plug and play um, and still figure out ways to get it done even if they don't look great at, at the beginning of the season like the beginning of last year they were worst team defensively in the league um, and they figured it out so my window for them it's gonna be three years whoa it's gonna be three wow. years because I think so Brady's 44 if, if he plays well let, assuming let's, he plays assuming he plays correct okay. I'm gonna shorten it I'm gonna go one year okay I think there has to be a sense of urgency for this Patriot team. Dynasties don't last forever. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a defender of the Patriots because everybody's always wanted to point at things and say, well, deflate gate, that's going to be the end of them. Or, uh, you know, last year's opener when they got crushed by the Chiefs at home, people say that Brady looks older. I just feel like the, for the first time with all these issues, because I don't think it's going to be somebody else. Usually the fall of dynasties comes from within, right? right? Like it's egos get involved. Um, you know, player dissension, money. There's not enough to go around. For the first time I've seen this Patriot dynasty, I feel like there are some weaknesses and you're starting to see signs of a crumbling dynasty. And I, that's why like Gronk, who knows how much longer he's going to be there. Right. Brady and Belichick for the first time, you start hearing some things about, Hey, the ego gets Friction. involved. Yeah. You, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade craft, you know, gets involved. It just seems to me like there's more to it. Brady doesn't go there this offseason, doesn't work out with Who him. knocks them off of their throne in the AFC? That's the thing. And that, well, <laughs> maybe we can go to the next. All right. That's a good transition <laughs> there. Because that's a great question. I will say this. The Jaguars were only a half away from no, the last true, year. So there, true. there always is some kind of newcomer. But if you go look at some you're of the talking about guys. Blake Bortles, bro. <laughs> I know. But like you're buying now. that? You're that buying that? Taken care of. He's at a that stock risk. is that stock. You're buying it? Uh, I would buy. Off of coming off last year, not 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 the Jaguars, dude. Blake I would buy Bortles. the Jaguars. I would not buy Blake Bortles, and All just right. like his own team wouldn't buy him because they gave him a very uh, <laughs> iffy 
uh, extension on his yeah. contract. But I would bet on Leonard Fournette, and I would bet on that defense. Sure. Um, so let's move to who could knock him off, right? Yep. So one of the people in their own conference would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, the Patriots' favorites uh, for the Super Bowl in Vegas seven to one odds. If you if you took them, I don't love those odds at all for the Patriots. Uh, so let's look at the Steelers then. Big Ben getting up there as well. He's uh, thirty. Six. Six. So he's the younger of these guys of this class. And yet, for some reason, I view him as older because he doesn't take care of himself right. the way that Breeze and Brady do. So I, for their window, I would say is less. Um, and typically, like to your point, I would basically, you know, coming in, I was going to say, okay, whatever quarterback is the oldest, they got the shortest window. But Ben, Ben certainly doesn't like take care of his body. He's not on the TB12 plan. No, he's um, like, he's on the burger and beers diet. Yeah, that's what he, then he's 36. And Le'Veon Bell's situation is like really scary there. Um, there, I don't, there's no way he goes back to, to Pittsburgh, right? Like that. Le'Veon, no no. yeah, there's no way. Yeah. And so for that reason, their window is one year. Like they, they have to get it done in this year. Um, because now you're talking about revamping an offense, trying to figure out how you play. I mean, you still you, you still got Big Ben in the receiving core, but you, you you're missing like your bread and butter, which is Le'Veon Bell. So one year for them. Did you see uh, the comments that uh, Jerome Harrison made, or was it Jerome Harrison? Who was it? Um, who was it they traded for the Steelers? Debo. Who was it for the Steelers that was traded to the Patriots the last uh, part of the season? Yeah, James Harrison. James Harrison. Uh, did you see what he said about Tomlin? I've, I've I've talked to some players for the Steelers that said that Mike Tomlin runs a little bit of a looser ship, and they said, and and that's what he was basically saying. Yeah, them saying, hey, once once I saw what the Patriots did and how the Patriot way went, I kind of looked at the past of what it went on the Steelers and said, man, we could have been better. And like yeah. kind of called out his head coach, and I looked at that and I saw, you know, was, his quote was, they needed to be more disciplined. Sure. with the Steelers. And I, I just look at that team and I feel like I'm, I think one year is the, is the amount of time that you've got. Cause yeah. I, I think there is some rumblings within the Steelers organization, either that if they don't start contending, especially the way it f- unfolded last year when they totally overlooked the Jaguars and Dude, they, they got beat at home in a playoff game. Yeah. Like if they don't do it this year, they're going to lose Le'Veon and then you're going to see some dissension and you're going to see some calls from Mike Tomlin. Yeah, sure. And then that's kind of how you lose. Cause once you make a change like that and you have that drastic of a change, then all of a sudden you're set back and it's setting you back another few years when you bring in a new coach. Absolutely. All right. Let's keep rolling through these older quarterbacks. All right. How about Drew Brees? 39 years old. He does keep himself in shape. Yeah. He has voiced his opinion that he wants to play, uh, until he's 45, just like uh, Tom Brady does. And they were really close last year. You think about the, uh, the game they had in Minnesota where the Stefan Diggs touchdown knocked yep. them out, but they should have won that game if they don't give up that play. Uh, how long do you give Drew Brees and the Saints? So I'm going to give Drew Brees that same three year window as I gave, as I gave, uh, Tommy really? Brady the Patriots. Yeah. And maybe, but look, he's got a, the, I see them as a team that's kind of transitioning where it, where it used to be. Uh, Drew Brees just flinging that thing all around the dome, and it was like, you know, they were airing it out. Uh, Alvin Kamara, um, Mark Ingram, even though he's suspended, like, they look like they're going more ball control. Like, Drew Brees picking spots better, not just asking him to put everything on his shoulder right. and do what he's got to do. That speaks to some some more longevity there, so I give you a little bit more time. Uh, and they've got some of their young guys locked up. they got Cameron Jordan. Um, he's not super young, but he's through 2020. Marshawn Lattimore, a great young defensive player. He's through 2020, he's 22. Uh, Teron Armstead through 2021. So there's some, there's some stability there. I think that the fact 
that they're not going to ask a 39-year-old aging quarterback to put it all on his back and carry him home like the Patriots do. He can be a less of a quarterback, less of a quarterback than Tom Brady. I mean, you know, yeah. but, but still be viable and have opportunities there. I think because they were so close last year, because their defense is pretty young, because, and they're kind of planning for the future, it seems pretty, like you were saying, like having, Br- yeah. uh, Breeze not throw as much. He doesn't have to throw 5,000 yards. They took some of that workload off him. Because Alvin Kamara has a superstar, you know, potential to be a back, and I think you're going to see that without marking, or you're going to see him really take over the game. I would give them, the, the problem with the Saints is their division is so tough yeah. right, against the Panthers and the Falcons within that division, but, I'm gonna give them two years. Okay. I'm gonna give them two years. Cause these, these windows, like it's, their windows close yeah, really yeah. fast on these guys. Uh, how about the Packers? Cause this one for me is all relying on one player and it's Aaron Rodgers. Correct. How does his health look? He's getting up there, but he's still, it's only 34. He has more years of his prime left, but I just don't know if that roster, if they've done enough for that roster where you can say, all right, they have put enough in place around Aaron Rodgers to give him a legit chance to win the Super Bowl in a in an NFC which is stacked. So I, the, I, the answer to that is I don't even think their window's open yet. Yeah, you know, like yeah, you have Rodgers, but I, he doesn't have enough around him right now to get it done. Like Jimmy picking up Jimmy Graham and giving him another target, um, that that's really helpful. I didn't realize Jimmy Graham was only thirty one. I thought Jimmy was a little older. No, he's a pup. He's yeah. a good player. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like I'm with you. I look at the Packers and I look at the other teams in the NFC and I see teams that are better built to win now. And I think this is sad because I think the Packers are going to waste the prime years of one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen by not giving him the support he needs. And in Aaron Rodgers, he's even hinted that, you know, when they traded away Jordy Nelson, uh, and they didn't bring him back, they were like, well, you know, what the heck? He voiced his concern and bringing Jimmy Graham in is not a wide receiver. I keep, t- I keep telling people like, it's good. The tight end is an important position. We see the impact Gronk has, but it's not a big play wide receiver on the outside that he has. And he's never really had a player that dynamic so when i look at the nfc and i look at the eagles who have a really good chance to repeat yeah uh when i look at the vikings who won their division detroit's going to be better with matthew stafford yeah we just talked about the whole afc south or nfc south it is going to be tough so i i don't think that green bay is a team that you look at and you say all right they can close the vegas odds have them 15 to 1 so it's a little, they probably believe in them a little bit more, and that's the Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you believe in Aaron Rodgers, correct? Absolutely, yeah. So, and it'll, and he's the guy who can do it, so maybe he'll prove us wrong. Alright, uh, last up, real quick, on the, uh, Seahawks. Seahawks are worse than the Packers, I think. When you look at the windows closing, yeah. I think the window was there, it is closed, but here's the thing. I think it's going to be in two years, and three years, where that window opens back up. Yeah. They're in a total rebuild. They have traded, they've gotten rid of players, you know, no more Richard Sherman, no more Michael Bennett. Um, you know, they have totally revamped this roster. Uh, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas yeah. is saying he wants out. Like, it's going to be a whole new look team. They build young talent better than anybody. That's what got them, you know, a Super Bowl title in almost a second. Sure. I have faith in their organization that they are building for something and they've got a quarterback who they can build around. Yeah, I agree. No window, no open window right now. And I think it's all predicated on how quickly they can build this thing. Like, right. if they have, the, the the blueprint and the direction that they want to go, and if they can execute that, um, then the window will reopen in a couple of years. But right now, it's closed. I agree. All right, so their quarterback is only twenty nine, Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. His window isn't closing, but his window might be closing on how to be cool. <laughs> like I, I just think there's no hope for him. My man Russell, his, oh, man, I mess with Russ, even bro. His wife is trying to help him out, so Sierra's <laughs> trying to make him look cool. 
Because she is beautiful. She dropped that gorgeous. She can make anybody look cool, yeah, though, seriously. So she's out there posting pics of them, but I don't I don't know if it just ever works. Like, uh, <laughs> um, it's It looks forced. He's forced. Oh, it's so forced. He's forced. It's not a natural. Uh, he could be cool, but it's not It's not an easy cool, if you will. No. It doesn't it's exude cool. Too hard. It's trying yeah. too hard. He's just kind of a nerd, and I think it'll always be that. I'll always see him and see a nerd. And I think he's a good thing. Like he's, but he always speaks in cliches. He's always so positive. So good role model and all that stuff. But right. Like cool if, is not a word you're ever Like you'd have your kid, like my son plays yeah. quarterback. He yep. wears number three for Russell Wilson. I think it's right. a really good, like <laughs> yes. a really good example to shoot for, right? Like, right. yeah. All right. But, but cool it, is not the word. Yeah. You ain't got to be cool. Don't worry. Put the bottles at Dom P and stuff. Let them, let other people have them, That's bro. Right. Be Russell Wilson. <laughs> all right. Uh, how about the, uh, for our, you have to hear it segment. We got, uh, the Jets former, uh, number one pick that was sixth overall, Jamal Adams. Uh, it seems, uh, early to part ways with one of their bright spots, even by Jet standards, but Adams may have thought otherwise, uh, in our today's, uh, you have to hear it. Oh, I guess I forgot my code. <laughs> Dang, Yes, they did. They must have cut me. <laughs> must have cut me. That's how I feel every day Man. showing up to CBS before right. I got my key card. <laughs> I read it. This is year two. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, That's great. The safety out of you. He was a stud. And I love it because his reaction there was so perfect. Yeah. Like, hey, what am I? I'm cut already? And I'm telling you, everybody has that slight, slight bit of fear oh. in the back part of your mind. Like, you never know. It's I, a cutthroat business. Have I told you the story before of like my last few days in San Antonio? <laughs> I used to like, I knew they were cutting people after practice and I, you could watch the roster dwindle down and there's, they're like, I don't know, a week left and we're down to like one cut has to be made. And I knew that like you could tell by positions how many guys. So it was me, it was between me and a kid named Derek Dial who would play with me year before. I used to get my stuff and not shower at the practice facility and go back and shower at the hotel so they couldn't cut me that day. Right. Like I would buy an extra day. Yeah, I'd buy an extra night in the hotel or something. You cut it me tomorrow. The but worst feeling in the world. Like that sense of dread knowing it's coming yeah. is the worst feeling <laughs> in the world. All right, coming up. UNC, uh, they could be dealing with some unintended uh, risks of being a Jordan brand school as they got busted. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to break down some WNBA. I hope you're ready for yeah, that. I am. Research. It's coming up next on Off the Bench. All right, Danny, uh, you teased this off the top. Very interesting because we're both kind of sneakerheads here. So we'll get into a segment we call Read and React. But yeah. the first one's going to be of, of interest to us. So uh, University of North Carolina suspends 13 players for selling shoes. Uh, they've recently aligned with like team with Jordan Brand. He went to North Carolina. So the team found secondary violations involving the sale of team-issued shoes. Nine players will be suspended for four games. Uh, two players will miss two games. Two players will miss a single game. Since many of the players are the same position, they kind of staggered the suspensions that was approved by the NCAA. Uh, and Coach Larry Fedora said in a statement, I'm certainly upset by our players um, and how their choices reflect on them, our program, and the university. These young men knew the rules uh, and are being held responsible for the poor choices they made. Accountability is an important core principle in this program. We will learn from this and aim to do better in the future. All right, so you know what they were selling, right? They were selling the Jordan brand threes. Boom. They were doing the PEs, all right? Boom. So the PEs are the player exclusive. Yes. They're pretty sweet. So they're like these right here, except they've got the NC logo as, as replaced with the yeah. Jordan brand logo. And they are sweet shoes. Here's the thing. I hate this because this is going to have everybody and their brother saying, this is why we have to pay the players. This is why we have to pay the players. I don't agree with that because the players know the rules. They know what they can and can't do. But here's where I wish 
everybody would just look the other way. Like this is one where if, if, if you can just go sell your clothes online, like why would you prevent somebody? Like if you had bought, if you had bought these at the store, you could sell them. them. Yeah. Like eBay. a lot of guys make, have a little business on the side, like kids, like in high school kids are making sure. it killing selling shoes online. So it's one where I just feel like the NCAA doesn't get it and they make it harder on themselves because they're trying to fight the pay the players, you know, crowd. Yeah. And they're not helping themselves when they think they're enforcing rules and making it tougher on people. This is one where I think they should just look the other way. I agree. Like sneaker, dude, sneaker con. You ever been to sneaker yeah. con? Yeah. You go there and these kids are out there hustling and, and slanging their wares all around and getting, uh, you know, it, it'd be one thing if guys went in and hustled and, and like, you know, stole some stuff out of the equipment closet and they were hustling like 10 pairs of J's right. and trying to, but if they're your own and you're going to say, look, I'm going to go without these J's. Like, yeah, they're cool, but I'd rather had a $150, $200. Right. Like I've got no problem with that. Um, but I guess the slippery slope is like, that's, that was given to you as part of the scholarship. Like that right. was a benefit that a regular student doesn't get. They don't get the Jordan three PEs. Right. So that's what, that's the way the NCAA is looking at it. But I'm with you. Like who, who really cares? I, and it's really hard to come down on the kids and be like, Hey, how could they do that? They knew the rules. They broke them when I probably would have done the same thing. Like I'm, I'm the same way. Like, would you rather if you had these shoes right here? And you could sell them for a grand. Yeah. I would take the grand in a heartbeat. Because like, I'd already worn them. I might, I might not even wear them. I'd be like, right. hey, if you can give me that much money over what I can. Like, that's smart. Like, yeah. be teaching these kids. Like, that is a wise thing to do with your money. It's a good business move. Yes. Right. It's fiscally ahead, responsible. Those, yes. Like, yes. that should be a part of an economics class at, at UNC. Yeah. It shouldn't be. This shouldn't be the message to them. But it's going to get used as a pay the players uh argument and i don't think it should be that either it's just an unfortunate part of being a college athlete and they're going to be without their starting quarterback for four games so unc could be in some trouble in Chaz Surratt, certainly not ceo tutorial no that, how would you say that <laughs> ceo right uh, anyway um all right let's keep it moving to another uh ncaa football scandal going on right now ohio state fans rallied in support of urban meyer uh, Meyer was placed on administrative leave last week. They were outside. They were rallying. The university announced on Sunday that they expect uh, to conclude the investigation within 14 days. Did you uh, did you see any of it? Like, I, did you see the picture? I heard uh, some of the sound coming in this morning. I'm hoping it was overblown as far as reported. I think there were about 200 people, which is like, all right, there's probably 200 whack jobs yeah, out there who sure. are going to go out there and promote. Like, you have to have more. Like, anytime I see people and I. This is kind of just a, an opinion of me of where I think of politics. But, like, when I see somebody campaigning on the street for anybody, like a congressman, I'm like, you really got anything else to do? And, like, <laughs> I've never been that passionate about politics where I'm right. going to get out there and be like, hey, let me get my sign and vote for this person. I did have a brother-in-law who ran for office, and I would promote, I would do that for him <laughs> if I lived in his town. But I always look at I'm like, don't you guys have better things to do? And that's what I thought of these people. They were chanting Urban Meyer over and over. They had signs made up that accused ESPN of – uh, you know, having this conspiracy theory. Fans of college football are the best thing about college football, but they also can be the worst thing of college football. And I think that's what you saw was the worst aspect of it because there is no winner in this one. There, you're not going to look good in the end if you went out there and chanted Urban Meyer's name uh, in support of your coach. Yeah. You know, support the team. Support the players. Go out there on opening day, week one, and support the players. Cheer for your team. At this time... It's not the best idea to go out there with your dumb signs and go out there with your chance. I'm with, not helping. It never, You're not helping. And I know Debo is probably not going to be thrilled with this, but it didn't really look great when Penn State was doing the same thing, you know, rallying around Joe Paterno, uh, as we know how that ended up. So yeah. just, just go support your team. 
Word. All right, let's keep it moving to uh, the NBA now. So Adam Silver says that LeBron would like to play in the NBA Africa game. Uh, the league just wrapped his third annual Africa game in Pretoria, uh, South Africa. Uh, Team Africa versus Team World. Several NBA stars played, including Joel Embiid, Danilo Gallinari, Chris Middleton, and Hassan Whiteside. Uh, Silver said that LeBron has express, expressed interest previously, you know, but there are reasons why he doesn't play. Uh, and this was the quote. I will say on his behalf that he has an extraordinarily complicated schedule, even in the offseason as he's someone, uh, as he is someone who is who over the last eight years has played in the NBA Finals. So his season has gone from September to late June. So he has a very short break. During those summers, he also often plays for the national team, Olympic Games, things like that. I know it's high on his list of priorities. I don't want to put undue pressure on him, but I'm sure that at some point he will want to make the trip. I think it would be incredible. I was, I think, and I drew, really just saw this. I didn't even know they had the Africa League. It's only been around three years. We yeah. talked to Will Embiid, played in it. I think if LeBron went, it could be as big of a moment as Ali Frazier in the Rumble in the Jungle. Like, I think when you... Because he's a global icon. Yes, he is. And you put him over there in Africa, I think it would not only be life-changing for those people to see LeBron, but I think it could be really life-changing for LeBron James to see the impact he could have on a global scale, not just in our country. Sure. The NBA has done a great job of taking their game and, and globalizing it. I mean, they'll partner with, you know, anybody... Um, in, in a country that really wants to develop their basketball program. I went to India probably six years ago with an NBA India initiative and we spent time in, in, in New Delhi and, and, um, we worked with their national team and we did clinics at the villages around India. And I don't know what type of foothold it took because I, I've been out of the NBA for a while, but they start planting those seeds in countries that show any type of interest in the game mm-hmm. as soon as they know there's interest there. And they just start planting them and they plant them and it, it's under the radar. They cultivate them. And before you know it, you've got an NBA Africa program that is, that is kicking out all kind of fantastic talent. Yeah. Like they're tapping in. I, I was surprised when I went to India. Their national team had four damn seven footers. Really? Like four seven footers. And I asked these guys, I was like, where, like, where do you guys come from in India? And they were like, we, we come from the Punjab region. And they said like the average height out there was like, I don't know, like six, seven, six, eight, like, when you're talking about a game like the NBA that is always scouring for that high-end talent, like the NFL is a little different because most of that talent is here in the States. Yeah. Major League Baseball does this to some degree in like Latin America, but the NBA needs that length, that athleticism. So they they do a really, really good job of that. And having LeBron have the opportunity to get to some of these countries, especially Africa for obvious reasons, yeah. would be fantastic for the NBA, for LeBron, um, and, like in, and for how it kind of just was a mention in the news if LeBron goes. You're owning the news cycle for probably that week while he's there. For sure. You know, you're, you're taking over the NFL preseason if you have LeBron in Africa. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's keep it, uh, in basketball. Let's move to WNBA. Yes. All right. So the WNBA's Aces refused to play after a travel mishap. It was last Tuesday. Uh, the Aces played a home game in Vegas. Uh, and then they tried to get across country because they had to play in DC. Uh, against the Mystics on Friday night. The team experienced some delays uh, and mechanical issues, as we all did last week. I lost two flights. Uh, they spent the night in the airport and ultimately arrived in Washington just a few hours before tip-off. They apologized to the fans, but ultimately decided not to play. And their statement was, given the travel issues we faced over the past two days, 25-plus hours spent in airports and airplanes in cramped quarters and having not slept in a bed since Wednesday night, and after consulting with the Players Association leadership and medical professionals, we concluded that playing tonight's game would put us at too great a risk for injury. Good for them. Good for them for taking for come on, bro. Learn about the player. What you're saying? They should have played. Come on, man. You're saying get out there and play. We got stuck in Denver. <laughs> we got stuck in Denver for three days in 2000. And, was it 2007? Maybe we had a 17 game winning streak. 
We were supposed to play at home against Washington, Gilbert Arenas, uh, to extend that winning streak. I think it may have broken some kind of record or something like that for the winning streak. We had two 17-game winning streaks. Right. So we got stuck in a snowstorm, didn't get to play Denver. Water and food was running out in the hotel. Like, we had to bus. We had to fly into somewhere and bus five hours back to Phoenix to get to our game. We rolled in there 45 minutes before tip-off. Took a shower, went out, and promptly got our tails whooped on ESPN. <laughs> Played a damn game. It's part of your job. <laughs> You're not taking anything. Uh, You're hell no. Go out there and play the game. Hell no. We would have had 18, maybe who knows how many games we would have won if they didn't make us play that damn game. When you were, but this trip you were talking about. Yeah. Were you flying private though, right? You were charter or chartered. Yeah, but we, we, yeah, we fly private. I wonder if this team, if they were actually flying commercial, probably were commercial. waiting around, like that's a different ball game. Yeah. You guys were probably kicked back on your couch. We were in the Westin. We were in the Westin in, right. in Denver, like, drinking, drinking and hanging out. <laughs> That's why you lost once you were late. <laughs> it's because you guys were drinking too much. Uh, yeah, but, uh, no, I, I hear it. Look, anytime, I've also played in the CBA where, like, I played in Yakima, Washington on Thursday night, and then you have and to drive. And then you're on commercial or, or, or driving. A we're bus. driving. A bus. Both teams, like, you're talking about 15 guys, 6'5 or bigger, on one bus, coaches, equipment, and all of that, driving to Boise, Idaho, like, overnight, getting to Boise that morning, and then having to play, you know, that that afternoon. Like, real grimy one type of, the, of stuff. One of the weirdest things I ever did, or, like, was a transition where it was like, oh, this this kind of sucks. Yeah. Is when, cause I played at Florida State, we chartered, right? We chartered everywhere we went. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then NFL, you chartered everywhere. And then I played arena football and you're out there like with your boarding pass <laughs> and you're next to like the old lady in front of you and you're like having to hustle on to make sure you have yeah. room in the overhead. Right. I was like, oh man, this is quite different than the NFL. I different experience. I'd, I'd like to tell. Hey, Debo, you got to cut out some time so I can tell my USBL. You ever heard of the USBL? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you my USBL story. We got to get to another segment. We got to keep it moving. We'll go to, let's go to move the needle, all right? So Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry says that Odell Beckham Jr. would play for the Browns. He currently unsatisfied with his contract, uh, but apparently they've talked and he said, uh, if things like that are able to happen and the team can make it happen, then why not? He definitely would be up for it. He would be. Move if, the needle? Yeah, no, not at all. If you would have told me this, Four months ago, like in the off season, there was a time, I don't know, if, I'm pretty sure we talked about it here on the podcast that it was like, man, the Giants were disgruntled with Odell Beckham. You know, he wasn't reporting. It was like, oh, this, this could happen. Maybe they move him. Maybe they trade him, but it looks like the Giants are making more efforts. I think their contract talks are getting more and more advanced where I think Odell Beckham is going to be, if not the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, he'll be the top two or three. And I think he'll be on the Giants. I, I think they're going to get it done. I think it's a silly look for him to be talking about going to like Cleveland, like right. personally, like and professionally for him. But, uh, what, where this does move the needle for me a little bit is like you're bordering, it's borderline tampering now. Like you have to be really careful now when you're, when you're friends with the guy, uh, he's why is it seems like the NFL doesn't have as much tampering as the NBA? I, I was going to ask you about that. I was because like the, the NBA will slap a fine on you in a heartbeat if you're in the media talking about trying to recruit guys and saying, "Hey, a trade's available." Like you're letting you know your organization, his organization, know that these talks have already been had, and there's a green light to do that. Like that. I don't know why, because I don't think, I mean, I'm sure there is some sort of rule, but they don't have it. You don't see fines levied as much. And I'm probably, it's probably much more important in the NBA where the movement of one player could make a really significant uh, difference. I know Odell, Odell Beckham is great. Yeah. But, you know, wide receivers not going to change their Super Bowl odds too dramatically. So I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's because they look at it and say, hey, we want to keep players where they are. I don't know. There's a different, there's a different philosophy though in tampering 
And uh, when you look at the NFL and NBA, we gotta sure. get to the bottom of that. Yeah, make a call. All right, coming up. Why at least one spur feels like the team did right by Kawhi Leonard. Plus, we continue to see the mom side of Serena Williams. Uh, that's next on Off the Bench with Canell and Bell. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Uh, let's get some NBA. Yeah. Because it wasn't that long ago when Kawhi Leonard was considered top three, top four player in the NBA. His stock was on the rise. Yeah. He's contending for titles. And then all of a sudden, you could not have had a worse PR turnaround for a player, I don't think, that we've seen in a while. Because, you know, his players are calling him out. He goes through an injury. And most people took the side of the Spurs, said, hey, this is a player he should have played, and he didn't want to. He was looking for the contract. He forces a trade. He's in Toronto now. DeMar DeRozan's on the Spurs. Well, Rudy Gay comes out and had some comments to the Hartford Current uh, that was talking about the situation and just kind of explaining a little bit more into it. So he said, the best part about San Antonio, they do right by you. They do right by their players, do right by their staff. That doesn't happen much in the NBA, to be honest with you. It doesn't happen much. On one side, there was Leonard that was trying to get out get a bigger market, and they were totally being upfront with him. And then they trade him for a guy, DeRozan, where that organization wasn't being upfront with him at all. So, I mean, it's just night and day. That trade right there shows you the difference between the San Antonio Spurs and other organizations. Um, so as far as the DeMar situation, I, I wasn't there. But if if he got sideways over like just where he wanted to live, then I'm Team Spurs. If he got sideways because his injury was mishandled and it was misdiagnosed and they were trying to get him to play on something that clearly was hurting him, then I'm team Kawhi. Um, so I want to get that out. But I don't know which one I am because I don't really know what happened. But here's the deal. And it happens a lot, um, probably in every sport, but I saw it in the NBA all the time. And I talked about it a couple years ago about the Gordon Hayward situation in Utah. When you've only got one thing uh, and you've only ever been in one system, in one locker room, in one culture, sometimes you think the grass is greener. Uh but there's a lot of, of bad business that goes on in the NBA. And and Rudy Gay is right. The Spurs are somewhere that typically they do it right. They do well they do right by their players. There's an open line of communication. They try to make sure that you have the things that you need uh to be successful and put the best product on the floor. You can't say that for every organization in the NBA. And Rudy knows that because Rudy's been to a lot of places. Rudy's been in Memphis. And I'm taking shots at anybody's organization here. I'm just talking. Rudy's been in all different type of situations. Rebuild modes, chasing playoff uh, modes, like trying to vie for a Western Conference championship mode. He's seen and been everywhere, uh, different times, different situations. So he has a really good understanding of what things could look like. Um, and, and he's got that to compare to what the Spurs actually look like. So this is sage advice. I wish he would have gotten to Kawhi. Maybe he tried to and said, look, Kawhi. That's why I tried to say through the air to Gordon Hayward about Utah. Look, there are other things out there. Like you think that everything is run the way Utah is run. That's not the real world, man. There's other stuff out there. It's good to compare it at least at times to see what fits your personality and, and your situation the best. I always felt there was more to the situation with Kawhi Leonard than any of us knew about. And I kind of, when I looked at it, the biggest, it wasn't the injury and him getting second opinions and being cleared and then he doesn't want to play. For me, the moment that was kind of like, oh, this might be more serious than just an injury is when his own players set him aside. When Manu and those guys said, we yeah. need you. We need you to come play with us. That to me was, man, it's one thing to protect yourself. It's another thing to put yourself over your teammates if they think sure. you're healthy enough to play. And for Rudy Gay to say, on one side, there was Leonard that was trying to get out, get to a bigger market. That's a pretty... That's a pretty bad indictment on Kawhi that he wasn't about the injury, which is right. what was reported. And a lot of this was, was his camp getting out there. 
I'm like, oh, well, maybe I don't feel as bad for taking the Spurs side in all of this. Well, you know, like I know, I've, I've had plenty of teammates where you look at them and you, and they might be hurt and you're like, I mean, this dude ain't, he ain't hurt, but I don't know. Right. That's just me kind of right. being like, it's really hard to get, it, it, it is like, it's right. hard to be in that man's sneaks that day, you know, like, so like, I don't really know. And, and look, I'm not defending Kawhi. I'm simply saying like, if you're right, then I am team Spur. But if Kawhi's camp was right and his doctor who said he was misdiagnosed, then I'm, then I'm team Spur, uh, Kawhi. <laughs> but did I get it backwards? Right. I always, like, no, I always want to be on the side of the player. Yeah. But, but having, and to your point, having played with a lot of guys who are, and like, to some extent, I was there. Like, you have to be selfish at some point in your career. But there are a lot of guys that fake, that are lazy, that don't want to practice. I'm not saying this is Kawhi, but every situation is different. Sure. And there are guys who, you know, will take advantage of the system and they'll stay out of games and they won't play because they're lazy and they don't want to play. Um, so it's, it's every situation is unique. And this one, I thought it was pretty eye opening that you see a player coming out and saying maybe it was really because he just wanted out. I also think, and what wasn't like nobody really factored into the Spurs, they have an old roster. Uh, Tony Parker old. Yeah. Manage nobly old. Rudy Gay old. Still good players, but old. So when we're talking about those windows that we were talking about earlier in the show, those windows have a sliver of like, they're barely open. You're barely feeling a breeze through them. So when you see a guy like Kawhi and you're trying to chase something this year sitting out, I mean, you've got more at stake this year than he does. He's got time left in his career. So I'm just saying, like, selfishly, like, those dudes are like, yo, bro, we need you to play now. Like, Kawhi might be like, my dude, I don't feel great. Like, I, this isn't, and they're like, dog, we'll take you at 75%. We don't give a damn. We need to win right now. Like, so th- they might not have all just been on the same page in terms of what that year was supposed to be for the Spurs. Kawhi, Kawhi's window is there. Uh, and to your point, like, sometimes this is where, like, when guys aren't all philosophically bought into the same thing, you start getting these type of situations popping up. Yep, for sure. All right, let's kick it over to Hannah for a little refresh. Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald has until Tuesday to report to training camp or he loses the season. That would make him a restricted free agent after this season as opposed to being an unrestricted free agent. The Rams figure to make either option irrelevant by franchise tagging Donald after the season. 13 North Carolina football players will miss games after UNC self-reported NCAA violations for selling team-issued shoes. Eight players will miss four games and other five players will miss one. And more than 23,000 people have signed a petition to keep Urban Meyer as the head coach at Ohio State. This despite Meyer being placed on administrative leave as the school begins a probe into his handling of a domestic violence complaint against former receiver coach Zach Smith. The school has said that it expects the investigation to be completed within the next two weeks. That was your refresh. So I only have one topic for you guys today on Socially Relevant because we are talking about the Queen Herself. So Serena Williams suffered the most lopsided defeat of her career last Tuesday, a 6-1-6-0 loss in California, and she withdrew from this week's Roger Cup in Montreal, citing personal reasons. Well, last night she took to Instagram to open up about it all, specifically about how her struggles involved motherhood. She said, quote, last week was not easy for me. Not only was I accepting some tough personal stuff, but I was just in a funk. Mostly, I felt like I was not a good mom. I read several articles that said that postpartum emotions can last up to three years, if not dealt with. So whether stay at home or working, finding that balance with kids is true art. You are the true heroes. I'm here to say if you were having a rough day or week, it's okay. I am too. There's always tomorrow. So Danny Raja, how do you guys feel about her honesty here? I love it. I mean, I just think it's, I mean, that's as genuine as you can get. And 
you knew something was up when she lost like that. You could just tell that like, she didn't look like herself. And, you know, being a parent, like being an athlete sometimes is a really selfish thing. Like it is. I mean, you have to be, you, you, you play for your team and on the court, you don't have to be selfish, but you, you have to be like, you have to dedicate the time and the amount of man hours to get your body in shape and get mentally tightened. Like that's a selfish thing, man. Like that requires a, a spouse or a significant other that really understands what you're doing and, and what it takes to be at that level. Um, and then when a child gets thrown into the mix, like now you've got a whole nother team and, like that is the most like selfless job is being a parent. And it's sometimes really hard to balance that for men. Like I can only speak from a dad's perspective as I watch my wife do all the breastfeeding, do all the diaper changing. And it was still hard for me. I could not imagine being a mom and trying to be the best player on the planet maybe ever. I love it from a perspective of she's helping a lot of women who are probably going through the same thing that don't have this – because I think when people see Serena Williams and they follow on Instagram, whatever they do, they're probably like, oh, she has a perfect life. Yeah. Like, she probably has help. She has all these things. But she's just like us. And it's kind of like that Us Weekly, like, just like us. They Like, everybody is. Everybody has their problems. That's one of the things I hate about social media is you only put out your best stuff. Right. So it looks like you have these perfect lives. Nobody puts out when they have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning or when they have to, you know, get out of bed and they look awful or when the kids are crying or, yeah. or when, you know, you're fighting with your spouse. You put together the happy picture, like sure. smiling. It's a highlight reel. And, but it's good. I think it's refreshing. I think we'd all be better off if we could be more open and honest about some of our struggles because not only do you encourage somebody else, but people might be more willing to encourage you as you're going through those battles. For that. Anna has the perfect social media. Like she's yeah, Hannah. that life. I look at her feet and I'm like, man, must be nice. Oh my gosh. No, you're the one with all of the vacation selfies, Danny. Don't even be talking here. I do have one more question for you guys about this though. Like as former athletes, is something, a personal post like this, does it irk you at all, especially after such a bad loss um no i mean i kind of get what you're saying like like she's using it as kind of like a, a defense of why she played so bad but i don't i don't think so because i think serena's like this isn't like johnny manzel coming out and throwing four picks and he's trying to make a comeback and he's defending himself and making excuses like like you said off the rip like she's the queen like she ain't got nothing to prove to nobody like this is i believe this to be very genuine to to danny's point that he just made like Kind of bearing her soul to people, letting people know, you know, what she's going through. It doesn't bother me at all. I think it's refreshing. Um, and I, and, and, and kind of like the guys who came out in the NBA this year with the mental health issues. I think it's conversations. These are conversations that need to be had more often. I think if she would have done it in the, pro, in the post, you know, match presser and she would have said, well, I'm a mom. I have all this stuff going on. Yeah. It would have felt like an excuse, but because she's had time to think about it. And it's been further removed. I think it's more genuine. Yeah. So I think I, I don't have any problem. I, I love it. I'm glad you guys admit that she's the queen because once you're in a Beyonce music video, it's really just all uphill from there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Danny, what you got coming up next? All right, good stuff. Raja, you're going to love this next one because high schoolers now are committing to school. Oh. And one of the most famous high school basketball players in the country has made his decision where he's going to go. We're going to get to that next. And my likability factor. I think we need a meter. Yeah. Some of my takes, I get it. They're bad. You may not like them. But Debo implanted this little uh, segment in our show yeah. that I think helps make me a little bit more likable. Okay. So we're going to do that at the end of the show. That's coming up next on Off the Bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench. All right, Debo, I talked about it. There's a big announcement that came on the high school basketball ranks, but not for a college announcement. It's a high school one, right? It was the decision all over again. Well, 
without Jim Gray, without the nail-biting questions, without references to taking talents to South Beach. So it wasn't actually the decision. But just like Dad, the most highly touted 13-year-old prospect is on the move this offseason. LeBron James Jr. Bronny will attend the Crossroads High School in Santa Monica. But he won't be eligible to play on the varsity team next year because he's only going to be in eighth grade. We forget that. Yeah, um, great. Like I, I mean, what what you want me to? It's, I'm it's, getting a little bit not annoyed, but here's one thing: like if you're LeBron and you said a couple weeks ago, I I shouldn't have named him LeBron James Jr. I don't want him to have all this pressure. And then in the same hind, you're out there like injecting yourself, coaching his team, like getting out there in front of the coach. You're tweeting out videos of him. Like I just feel like it's adding more pressure on the kid. And then you've got every media outlet is quoting or is putting out highlights of him playing. Yeah. Like you could dial that back if you're LeBron. And instead, of, like, and I would be guilty of it too. I would want I would want to promote my kids if they were right. out there. So, but don't go tell me that you're putting undue pressure on him by naming him LeBron James Jr. You're putting pressure on him by continuing to put those highlights out there. Yeah, you're kind of propagating the narrative, right? right? You're doing. Uh, but, but let me ask you: Was this a, like? Did he do an interview? Did he? Was it? Was I don't it? Think so. I hope not. They just they course. just kind of said it. Did like LeBron that. say it or did Bronny say it? Like who said it? It was just kind of leaked out. I think something right. from the. Right. I don't really. Not not yeah, I mean, presser. But like, you know what gets lost in all of this is like I don't even know if Bronny is like the number one ranked. Like eighth grader in the country. Like, I mean, he got a nice game. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But in terms of like the rankings, which they have, it's unbelievable. They rank third graders. Do you remember? Like, they're top third graders in the country right now. Are you kidding me? It's unreal. Did you dunk in eighth grade? Do you remember? Hell no. I dunked in the 10th grade. You down one in warm-ups the other day. I saw well, a highlight online. <laughs> genetically, he's going to be freaky. <laughs> yes. Like, I can't, you can't argue that. I, yeah. But, uh, anyway, hey, good for you, dude. What, yeah. what are you going to do? Okay. Right. He is getting looks from Kentucky, Duke, but. A lot of connections. You mean he's getting loot? We mean he's getting books from Kentucky and that's Duke. That's why it would suck to be LeBron James. In the same reports, Raja. What are you talking about, bro? But that's why it would suck to be him because you yeah. never really genuinely know if they're after you or they want LeBron there to kind of help recruit everybody else. Uh, that, that kid can play. I've seen him play. He can play, but right. but don't don't get that twisted, bro. If that if LeBron's not your dad, you ain't getting looks from Kentucky and Duke yet. Yeah. LeBron's initial decision to come to Miami, Miami Dolphins football head coach Adam Gase, he's not really a fan of depth charts. He listed both Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake as the starting running backs. And someone in a press conference yesterday asked him why. He said, just to be an asshole. Fair response, I guess. <laughs> I love it because that's like basically why a lot of coaches will do it. Yeah. They just want to play mind games with you to see who reacts better, to see who sulks, who doesn't, who thrives under the competition. Yeah, it is kind of being that. I like that. Do you think so? I look at it from the other side. Do you think he's being an a-hole to his players or to the media? Like just to be like, <laughs> that's a good like one. I don't have to tell you. Yeah, guys. I don't. I'm not obligated to tell everyone. you who my starters are. To everyone. Right. That's why it is. That's it's great. Big middle finger to all <laughs> the players and the media. So we talk about quarterbacks hitting actual wide receivers in training camp, but why not talk about them hitting inanimate objects? So target practice for Patrick Mahomes showcasing the long ball accuracy and Drew Brees with a Saints quarterback competition for shorter distance. Raji, you've mentioned games of horse after practice with Eddie House. Danny, did you have any go-to competitions? It was always the bucket toss. So you'd pull out a big garbage can yeah. and you would put it in the back of the end zone and you would try to basically it was your mimicking like a red zone fade throw and you try to drop them in there. A lot of that was like the money game, like for a hundred bucks, yeah. you know, every, all the quarterbacks would throw in it. Other times in warm ups, you might throw it a goalpost to try to hit one of the crossbars. I thought the hardest one to hit was the middle bar 
you know, because you try to land that. You back up much further sure. on that one, but you try to drop it in and get it to bounce on there. But all kind of games, all kind of target practice going on out there. Um, one of my favorites was per diem. Like, you, you get per diem on the road. And so everybody, like, you put up, like, a couple hundred bucks, and you'd shoot, like, from the half court to make the half court shot, like, after shoot around in the morning. Whoever got it first. But, like, that's, that could be, like, two racks. Yeah. Like, you make a quick two racks for making a half court shot. And, like, you got – it's funny because you guys are all making millions of dollars, right? But it's that two – that cash, the Dude. cash in your hand that always just – it feels better. Right to Gucci or Lewis. <laughs> two racks you weren't accounted for, man. You <laughs> – Talking about experimenting there, well, Aaron Gordon showcasing some summertime spring in the gym. Call this the 360 through the leg switch hand oh. jam. Uh, what number does that get in the dunk contest? And Raja, what kind of would you try from that regard in the offseason? Did you try showcase your hops at um, that time of year? Nah, I mean, I yeah, I'd like to dunk. I like to show my young guys when I was a vet that I could still like windmill and stuff like that in 360, but I could never do anything like that. I used to work on like let me get some off the dribble moves and work on like my pull up game, like basic stuff, not the, not dunking. Uh, that's a 50 though. That's a clean dunk. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty sharp. And it, it also depends on his, this is the thing that bothers me at the dunk contest. A lot of it now is how the player sells it. Like yeah. how much em- energy does he put in? Does he bring out a prop? Does he have like, does he jump over the mascot? If he does anything and shows any energy or any prep, that's a 50 all day long. Yep. But the dunk contest is getting, but like how long are you getting? All right, uh, let's do feel good to end the show. Okay. We're going to get some good brownie points from me right here. Uh, Carlos Santana makes good on a promise. So 13-year-old Anthony Garcia was a guest of the Phillies on Saturday. Anthony was diagnosed with leukemia five months ago. So the Phillies' first baseman, Carlos Santana, made that promise to Anthony before the game that he would hit a home run for him, and in the eighth inning, he delivered. Boom. Love that stuff. That is incredible. Yeah. I, if you could ever do that, like that's the coolest thing as a professional athlete. I was always terrified to make that promise in case you didn't deliver it. it. Yeah. But for him to be able to do that's awesome. Uh something special. Thursday, last chance you bonus pod. Uh oh. Gotta finish this Uh-oh, yeah. Thursday, all right? Uh so if you haven't watched it, watch Last Chance You, you'll know what we're talking about. It's a great show. I recommend it. And uh keep checking us out. Follow us as always on Twitter and Instagram at Canal and Bell.